This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. I'm Rangers broadcaster Jared Sandler, joined by the founder of Texas Humor, Jay Sauceda. And together, we are your hosts for the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. Uh, Before we get going, got to remind you that Whataburger, always tons of great stuff. What about the sweets? They got some great sweet treats for you. Something that's going to cool you down this summer and satisfy that craving for something fresh and delicious. Well, swing by Whataburger and try out the peaches and cream shake. I wish I had a peaches and cream shake in one of these, but uh, it's a refreshing take on, of course, a classic summertime dessert combo. And don't wait because... Uh, like a lot of these summer items, they are available for a limited time. So head on over to Whataburger and grab you a peaches and cream shake. All right. So the Straight Up Texas podcast, what is it? Uh, well, first of all, it's the official podcast of the Texas Rangers. So we will be talking Rangers, uh, but it's more than that. Uh, it's not going to be a deep dive into the analytics of baseball. We'll cover what's going on in Rangers land, but we're also going to have a, a great group of celebrities join us to talk about the Texas spirit uh, and their role within creating that Texas spirit. Uh, Texans are, are proud, they're passionate, they're resilient. Uh, you know, we, we, we think highly of uh, ourselves and who we are as Texans, but uh, we'll discuss what really goes into being a Texan and, and some of the, the elements of culture that play a part in that. Uh, we see that same spirit in the Rangers. It's a young, uh, fearless team. It's, it's a big part of what Chris Woodward, uh, Rangers manager, preaches to this team as they continue to grow towards uh, returning to, to that place of glory that uh, we all experienced as Rangers fans uh, last decade, the, you know, for the most part of, of last decade. So we'll kick off each episode talking a little bit about the Rangers, uh, but then we're going to bring you a, a conversation with an awesome guest. We'll tell you who our guest for episode one is in a second, but just a reminder, you can enjoy this podcast either via audio or video. Video, just go to the Rangers YouTube channel. Uh, audio, texasrangers.com slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, CastBox, or anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. We'd love to have you join us and be along for the ride. Uh, all right, so our guest today, and I'm super excited about this, is Brad Leland. Jay, uh, Brad Leland, DFW-born actor. He's been in, in movies, TV shows. He's, uh, he's a thespian, uh, and, and we'll talk about all that with him. But I'm pretty pumped to chat with Brad. I don't know that there uh, is an actor other than maybe Matthew McConaughey who, who embodies Texas the way that Brad Leland does. I mean, Friday Night Lights just in general embodies Texas in a way that few shows do in general. So uh, yeah, I'm super pumped to uh, to get to meet him. Uh, big fan of the show, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good kickoff uh, episode uh, after that little uh, fun trailer that we did. I, I'm I'm excited that we're getting to start off on this one. Yeah, for sure, and we'll get to Brad here in a bit. But uh, 
I guess we got to start with some Rangers talk to, to begin this. Yeah, you know, so like as a longtime Rangers fan, I'm curious, you know, what, what your stance or what your feeling is about Elvis Andrus coming back to Globe Life Field for the first time. You know, what, what, what do you feel like his uh, legacy is to the Rangers team? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, we're, we're having this conversation and Elvis will make his uh, return to Arlington today. Uh, you might be listening to this uh, sometime in the future. As a matter of fact, you will be listening to this in the future because we're not live. But uh, Elvis's legacy is, I think it's, it's first of all, in, in a word, significant. Uh, he was the starting shortstop on the best Rangers teams in franchise history. Uh, you know, the Rangers, of course, made the playoffs a few times in the, the mid to late 90s for the first time in franchise history. But the best teams were clearly the, the 2010, 2011 teams. And then for a few years thereafter, the Rangers had the best record in the American League in 2016. And Elvis was a big part of that uh, in the years between, uh, you know, their their playoff appearances. And, you know, the shortstop is maybe not as impactful of a position as the quarterback, but. Uh, it's definitely a, a position of, of tremendous responsibility. And when you look at a team's roster, you think, hey, who's the shortstop? Like, I, I want to know who the shortstop is. And uh, that was Elvis. And the other part of this is the Rangers' acquisition of Elvis in a trade that sent Mark Teixeira to Atlanta was probably the move that really helped expedite the, the rebuild process under John Daniels. It was a trade that uh, sent Ron Mayhay and Mark Teixeira to the Braves. Uh, the Rangers got uh, Jared Salatilamaki, who didn't quite pan out, but then three guys who really did. Matt Harrison, Neftali Feliz, and Elvis Andrews. And then Bo Jones was the fifth, and, and it didn't really pan out for, for Bo, but three guys uh, who, who had a significant impact on this team. So Elvis was a part of that as well. And then on top of that, the final leg, or, or another leg, is that you have a, a Latin American player who spoke the English language well. And that's important because he was able to connect with fans, both Spanish-speaking fans and English-speaking fans. And, you know, that to go along with the, the smiling face, the, uh, the, the charisma, the impact he had in the community. You know, is Elvis Andrews going to be a, a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. He'll be a Rangers Hall of Famer, but he's not going to go to Cooperstown. But that shouldn't diminish the impact he had on this organization and the fan base. And there's a reason why Elvis, who made a couple of all-star teams, uh, even when he maybe wasn't putting up big-time numbers, was still a fan favorite. And I think there's something to that. And so I think his legacy is, is tremendous. Uh, I expect him to get a, a huge ovation when he is announced, uh, you know, both in the starting lineup and his first time coming up to bat. Uh, and I'm, I'm very, I'm getting chills thinking about that. I, I, I think the connection between athletes and a community can be really special. And Elvis definitely forged that type of relationship. Well, I mean, you know, given that obviously he's not playing for the, the Rangers, uh, you know, and, and so Elvis can't uh, represent the, the team at the all-star game, but who would you put up for the all-star game uh, this year? Yeah. So, you know, I think the Rangers have four guys who, uh, are deserving of that sort of honor. One guy's Adolis Garcia. I think he's won. He's having a great year. Uh, he's among the, the most productive outfielders in the American League. Uh, probably won't be voted in as a starter, but maybe you uh, stuff the ballots, then maybe uh, he can get up there. But I think he, he deserves that. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, if you look at the complete player and you factor in what he does 
on the bases and what he does defensively. Tough to argue against Isaiah Kiner-Falefa being an all-star. And then there are two pitchers, Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson, who definitely deserve it. Gibby uh, has arguably been the best starter in the American League. Uh, the problem is, you know, the Rangers don't have the, the best record. And because every team has to get at least one all-star, uh, it sometimes takes away from guys who might be deserving. And typically teams with better records uh, are going to get the benefit of the doubt. So the reality is, are all four guys going to be named all-stars? Probably not. But those four guys are definitely deserving. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it would be a tremendous honor for uh, for Kyle Gibson. It would be his first all-star game. Same with Izzy, same with Adolis. Uh, and I, I think that if I had to power rank them uh, in some order, those three would maybe be just ahead of Ian Kennedy, uh, not to take anything away from what Ian's done, but uh, those are the names that, that really should be strongly considered for the All-Star game. How far out, uh, how many years do you think we have until we see a, an All-Star game over at Global Life Field? It's a great question. I, I don't think too long. Uh, my guess is in the next couple, next, uh, well, this is 2021, I would say by 2025, uh, there will be an All-Star game at Global Life Field. And that's really exciting. You know, when, when uh, you know, at the time, the ballpark in Arlington, Globe Life Park, hosted an All-Star game in the mid-90s. You know, it was such a cool event. I hear so many stories from folks about it. I didn't get to go. Uh, I was, you know, just a few years old. Uh, but usually when you get a new ballpark, an All-Star game is going to follow. And I'd say that with Globe Life Field hosting the National League postseason run in the World Series and how well it was received by Major League Baseball and how much the players love the amenities at Globe Life Field, uh, I don't think it's going to be a tough decision for, for Major League Baseball. I, I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think the All-Star Game is such a cool event. You got the Home Run Derby, the game itself, and it's such a great way to promote the game of baseball. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully, we'll have some Rangers to, to promote whenever it rolls around. And uh, hopefully the game's in a great place and get to promote some of the young stars. Couldn't agree more. All right. Are you ready to do this? Because I'm pretty excited to talk yeah, to Brad. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get Brad on here. All right, it's time now to chat with our special guest. You might know him as Buddy Garrity from one of my favorite shows of all time, Friday Night Lights, uh, <laughs> or John Aubrey from one of my favorite movies of all time, Friday Night Lights. But he's an incredibly accomplished and versatile actor. He's a DFW native, a former high school football state champion. I don't know what gets more Texas than that. It's time to chat with the great Brad Leland. Brad, uh, what's going on? Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Oh, thanks, Jared. Yeah, um, it's it's really busy now. Thank goodness, uh, and we're uh, we're starting to be COVID-free. I, I, you know, and, and production is back, and so I'm happy to be ready to go back to work. It's you know, it's been a long time, but um, you know, I I coined this phrase recently, and and now we can stop stop being blanched COVIDians. <laughs> well, now. Now that uh, now that you're getting out, I mean, you know, I was I was just kind of because one of my favorite, uh, you know, bits that you did was on, on Veep, right? Like you've been in everything. Uh, but obviously, most people, you know, a lot of folks know you as Buddy Garrity. Like, is there a Texas role or a Texas character that that you haven't played or that you wish that you played? Mm, you know, I, I missed on the Alamo. Uh, it would have been tremendous to be part of that historical project with Billy Bob. Um, I wish I wish I could have probably done that one. Uh, I also was doing another picture when the auditions came up for Lonesome Dove 
And uh, that was another one. A lot of my buddies, I know practically everybody in that show. So those are the first two that come to mind that I missed um, one of them because I already had another role. The other one because they didn't choose me. So you know, that's the way it goes. So well, I guess those are the two I would think about. You know, one that I'm glad that I did not do, and I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, what was that picture they did right before ours that was ridiculous? Oh, oh, Varsity Blues. No, I'm glad I missed that one because had I got Moxley, the, the guy's dad, that's who I was up for in that picture. Had I got that, I would have never done Friday Night Lights. So thank goodness. That's one of those times. Thank goodness I didn't get it. Well, I mean, speaking of just kind of things you get, things you don't, I remember I was going through your uh, your Wikipedia page the other night, just looking at, uh, you know, all the older uh, things that you've done. And one of my favorite uh, credits was just Drunk Cowboy from Square Dance. Like, I, <laughs> I, love, I love that there wasn't even a name attached to it. It was just Drunk Cowboy. Uh, do you remember that role do you, uh, or, or that part? Well, yeah, you know, uh, what I remember was it was very early in my career and it was tremendous uh, actors. And the first for, uh, you know, I think that was Winona Ryder's first picture. Yeah. And she yeah. was like 15 or 16 years old. Yep. And who else? Uh, Rob Lowe was in that. Did yeah. people didn't, I didn't even know who he was. Well, and, and, it, it, and he looked somehow younger than he does now. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he looked eight years old. <laughs> right and and then the great jane alexander who to me was um you know the consummate actor and in such a uh, an example for me at a young age i remember during the rap party which i got invited to even though it was a very small role for me um i was at the rap party and i remember jane alexander um um making a speech and remembering and thanking every single actor and every single person on the crew, remembering everyone's name and having a little tidbit to say about them. And I said, you know, someday uh, I would love to do that. That's uh, that's a very special person who who can do that and then and then give the credit uh, where it's due to to the cast and crew. And, and she she really made an impression on me on that film. I can't believe you brought that up. I've never <laughs> talked about that picture. I haven't, you know, but that's cool. It was yeah. cool. It was to be in Fort Worth too. It was fun. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, Brad, I, I want to ask you about Friday Night Lights. First, so you mentioned, you know, getting back to work. What are some of the things that you've got coming up or, or things people should look out for? Well, <clears throat> right now, uh, Jared, I've got the, uh, the picture land I did with Robin Wright, who she, you know, I was always in love with her. My daughters loved Princess Bride. And then, of course, uh, Forrest Gump. Uh, you know, which, you know, she was Jenny and Forrest Gump. And uh, then, of course, she was in House of Cards. So I'm thinking, you know, I don't think about anything except House of Cards and, and what a statuesque, regal, you know, tall, uh, strong, powerful woman uh, that I'm about to meet. So I go to Canada and I get there and, you know, they get off the plane and I go straight into rehearsal. It's just Robin and I and the cinematographer, just the three of us. And she's a tiny little sweet. I'm thinking of this giant, powerful woman. And, you know, she's like five, two or something, you know, just the sweetest little. She was Jenny. I mean, she was Jenny from Forrest Gump and, and she was the Princess Bride. And, and I did a picture with her that's out right now called Land. Uh, it's on a streaming platform. I can't remember which one, Netflix or Amazon. Yeah, I think Amazon Prime, I think. 
Amazon Prime, and uh, she is uh, she's wonderful in it. Uh, you know, I, I have a very small role in it, but I was just uh, happy to be in it because it's a very small cast, and uh, and I, you know, I, I get to play with her for just a bit. Of course, a lot, you know, as as usual, a lot of our stuff was uh, edited, but it really didn't matter because the story is told, and it's a beautiful, a beautiful tearjerker and a gorgeous picture. So I, you know, I wish people would see Land. It's it's really good. Well, you know, on, on that note about just kind of, you know, somebody being a surprise that you weren't really expecting one way or the other, who's, who's your favorite character from Friday Night Lights other than yourself? Good Lord, that's hard. You know, in a way, besides Kyle, you know, and I love Connie and, and all the main guys, you know, and, and, and little, my little, my fake daughter, I still call her uh, on her birthday and, and Minka, it's your fake dad, uh, happy birthday you know, fake daughter, hello, fake daughter. And she's always kind and, and uh, we still visit. But uh, she was the one who told me that, you know, our buddy was always, of course, drenched in sweat. And by the way, that wasn't makeup. That was the fact that we were shooting in 105 degrees. Uh, and I always had a suit and tie on, you know, it was horrible. But uh, Minka one time told me, she was like, dad, you're so gross. You just sweat all the time. And, you know, it'd be 105 degrees in an apartment with no air conditioning because they can't turn on the AC or the cameras hear it. The sound guy hears it. So and, I'm like, and she goes, oh, I don't sweat. I can keep, I, I know how to not sweat. But the little girl never sweat ever. Um, now, that that's not my favorite character. My favorite character <clears throat> was probably the fact that Buddy Jr. came and they picked a young man who was his first time. He was from the Northwest. And uh, he and I became great buddies. He, his dad had uh, not ever been around really much his whole life. And I had daughters, so I never had a son. So we so, sort of had this, uh, this uh, strange, wonderful relationship where we were almost like father and son in real life. And we became really good friends, hung out together in Austin. I showed him all over Texas and, and took him with some friends who we went to some really exotic places in a friend's plane. and. Uh, and I got to be good buddies with him. And then his storyline, because he tore up his Achilles actually in the show for in real life uh, on the, his very first play uh, where he was out on the field. Somehow um, he came off the field and they were all congratulating because it was Buddy Jr.'s time to, you know, to, to break through in the show and, and be a star football player. And that was his character arc that he was going to be great because he, he got, uh, uh, you know, he was going to come off of drugs and be a good kid because he got involved with sports and all of that. And he, and he, and he came off the field and um, they were congratulating him. And one of the big linemen landed on the back of his heel and he immediately screamed and laid on the ground and he had flop foot and he looked up at me and I was looking at him and it was almost like real, you know, I was like, are you okay? And he looked at me and he said, no. And we found out 10 minutes later that he, that they snapped his Achilles. And so we thought he would probably be uh, out of the show, just written out. And I thought this entire storyline between Buddy and, and Buddy Jr. would go away. But instead, they allowed him to be on the show, wrote it as if he still was part of the team, even though he was injured. And um, what's ironic about that is that's exactly what happened to me in my real life during the state championship uh, at Plano. So it became uh, ironically and exotically the coolest thing that could ever happen because it actually made it made it much richer uh, that his character 
uh, was able to be a part of the team and they accepted him and he could learn uh, that, that value without even ever playing. And, uh, and I believe that was sort of divine intervention. That's a long answer, but that's, that was cool. So, so maybe, maybe Buddy Jr. was my favorite character for that reason. Did you, Brad, when you guys, like, I, I remember, and we've spoken about this before, I did not watch Friday Night Lights, the TV show, live initially. I so loved the book and the movie, and I, I wasn't sure if the TV show was going to be something I liked. And then maybe, like, when season three was was getting rolled out, I went back and I watched season one, and then I was hooked. And it seems like Friday Night Lights is one of these shows that has had such a uh, a, a fandom develop maybe after the fact that there's still like, it's still such a relevant popular show. Now I still hear from people who start Friday night lights, you know, recently and, and they roll through it. Did you guys realize like the, I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, aftertaste, such like a great aftertaste. Uh, did you guys realize that you guys were creating something special when, when you all first got together? Because I mean, I can't tell you how many people will identify, like myself, Friday Night Lights is one of their favorite TV shows of all time. Well, first of all, thank you. And, you know, we, we have noticed that. And no, we did not know it. Now, did we know that we sort of had lightning in a bottle? Yes. And, and the reason we knew that was because we knew that we were doing it. Um, we were doing television like it had never been done before um, with the improv, with the handheld cameras, with the spontaneity, with the lack of rehearsals, with shooting not on a set, but on locations all of the time, being on the move and, and having the network approval to having NBC to approve such a thing is, is kind of insane, but they trusted Peter Berg, the director. And Peter told us from the very beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, we sat around a table at dinner in Austin and uh, he said, guys, these are your characters. Uh, now they're gonna, we're gonna be sending you the scripts and." You know, these are great writers. You'll love the scripts. But if you feel something about your character, if you want to add a line, change the line, go with it. Um, it's yours. We're going to let you do that. And so it sort of gave us this actor freedom that none of us had ever had. And that, I think, established that sort of um, reality that gives it that sort of fly on the wall feeling when you're watching it. You sort of feel like you're there and you know these people rather than, oh, that's a television actor. Oh, look, he's saying his lines. So it's cut, cut headshot headshot you know it's blah you know it's the same old same old instead you got a completely different look and it felt real because a lot of lots of times it was real uh, not, not to say that kyle and i were pounding beers and whiskey uh that that was still not real but um but we would just walk into the bar or into the office and not rehearse and they would just start rolling and we would just act as if it, it was he and I talking. And so there was something to that. We knew we had something special with that. Did we know that it would turn into what you just said, which it's amazing to me. You know, I'm on this cameo program where people can, you know, ask for a cameo, you know, about that app where you, and you do cameos for people. And it's amazing how many people all over the world know Friday Night Lights. And we get requ requests from um, Australia and, uh, you know, all over Europe. And it's just, it has grown, like you said, it's grown exponentially because uh, people relate to it, not because it's about Texas high school football, because it's not. Obviously, a show about community uh, with teachers and coaches and relationships, and everybody has those, no matter what language you speak and no matter where you live in the world, there's, there's something that binds the community together, and usually it's some athletic 
event or something like that where everybody comes together for that one night each week. And that's why the show has, uh, has, has, has done what it has worldwide. And no, we had no idea it'd go crazy. You know, we've never been off the air uh, since, since the show ended. And it's what, 11 or 12 years since we stopped shooting. And it's been showing uh, ever since. And I, and I think it might be one of those shows that continues to show forever. So hopefully we're the uh, sort of modern day Andy Griffith. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've heard people in the past describe from a marketing perspective, I guess, uh, Texas is like the fly as a flyover state, right? Like, you know, us in the Midwest, like the, the folks on the coast in, in Hollywood and New York, kind of all the production companies and all that kind of stuff happens there. What, what has it been like being an actor in Texas and staying busy? I mean, like, you know, is it easy? Is it hard? Do you have to still sort of find yourself going to the coast to, to drum up work? I mean, how, what does that look like? Well, you know, for many years, um, we would get in our cars and drive to auditions and all the Texas actors were here. We knew the Louisiana guys, we knew the New Mexico guys. And so we would drive all over the place, all the way to Florida, all the way to Colorado, all the way to California. And we would audition and, you know, you go in the room and it's all these people. And, and then you drive back home and you find out uh, you, you got a call back. So you have to drive back. So we used to spend a lot of money and a lot of time driving to these places to audition. And, uh, you know, and then you got them. And lots of times they they used the big Hollywood stars for their main roles. And then we got to pick up all the supporting roles, which was fantastic for many years. And then uh, for me, you know, I, it occurred about year. I really haven't had that many agents. And and they were the, th the three I had for many years were here in Dallas. And then during Friday Night Lights, uh, my agent that I, I had had, the, the wonderful Nancy Johnson, uh, had uh, had just retired, and it was just time for me to to have a new agent. And I picked up a Hollywood uh, LA agent who has been tremendous ever since. And so I I've been with him for many years now, and uh, it it totally changed the landscape for me because uh, you know it really doesn't matter now where you live. And our auditions many times are this. You know, um, recently I had a Zoom call with the Scorsese people and DiCaprio. They're shooting that picture uh, um, killing uh, up in uh, uh, Oklahoma right now. And everybody, you know, everybody in the world wanted to be in that picture, of course. And and so having that Zoom call with them is the type of audition we have now. And it's much easier. And uh, we're not driving and we're not, you know, waiting in a room with a bunch of people and then going into the audition room it's it's just uh, it's much more difficult because you get a two-dimensional person they don't get to meet you and I, I prefer meeting people in real life but but this is the way we do it now and it's it's really much simpler and uh, I've been lucky to be here in Texas and and have worked all these years um, however however it came so now it's now it's often in the wild blue yonder. <laughs> We're chatting with Brad Leland. This is the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. Just a reminder, the peaches and cream shake available at Whataburger. Go take advantage. Uh, it is a limited time opportunity. Brad, you, I mean, you are true Texan. You what, what, yeah, that's right. There you go. What, what's your, look, at, look at that. Here, guys. Although I'm almost flat, Bill, which this is horrible. Everyone that does this on Earth, stop it now. A hat, a hat is supposed to look like this, you know. Come on, people. What's wrong with you, young people? All right. I'm wearing this. Go ahead. 
No, I, I mean the prize. Listen, the the you had the Rangers hat. Now the Whataburger hat. I, what is your like go-to Whataburger order? Oh, you know this is the truth. My wife has a Whataburger three times a week at least. She that's what she wants for lunch. So I go get her one. She's homebound, and so I go get her one. And uh, she always has just a regular. What she has is ridiculous. It's it's just a, a Whataburger with nothing on it except mustard and some and some tater tot. I mean some onion rings or fries. And but what I get, of course, is a double meat cheeseburger with everything on it, mayonnaise <laughs> instead of mustard. And uh, sometimes I get fries, but that's already about fifteen hundred calories just for whatever that double meat. You know. Oh, and a patty melt is unbeatable. A patty melt is extremely wonderful. It's just uh, probably not for those on an extreme diet. <laughs> it's uh, there's so many great options there. So, you know, this is rather the Straight Up Texas podcast, and a lot of what we're going to be doing and, and want to do with you here is is really just talk about how your, your life and for you specifically uh, acting has kind of intertwined with Texas and, and the Texas spirit. And we talk about things like resilience and pride and passion and, and, and fearlessness when, when you think about Texas. And, and we we're just talking about Friday Night Lights and there are two phrases that emerge from Friday Night Lights that have become very popular that 20 years from now we're gonna be saying and people aren't gonna realize the origins and that's Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose, and then Texas forever. And I think Texas forever was in the first episode between Jason Street and Tim Riggins. They were talking about their future plans, and you know they kind of bump fists and Texas forever, Texas forever. And I, I'm curious, what did you guys realize that was going to be such a, a those two words were going to be such a big thing? And, and what does that phrase mean to you? Because it seems like in a lot of ways, perhaps you embody what Texas forever might represent? Well, <clears throat> I'm certainly a fifth generation Texan. And the answer to the question is no. Um, we had no idea. And even those two young actors uh, probably had no idea that Texas forever was going to become what it has. Um, and it, it really has. On those cameos that I do, many people ask for that phrase. They love that phrase, no matter where they're from. Um, and I think maybe when you really think about it, I, I, I just now thought of this, but I, you know, Texas forever probably has more ramifications, not only because of just the show and those, the feeling that those guys had, that those characters had about how much they love Texas, but maybe it does go back to the Alamo. Maybe it does go back to the fact that really uh freedom the price of freedom you know the motto then the price of freedom was death and that has been the price of freedom in this country and really in texas when texas did what it did with the alamo that was the very first time that had happened in this country and i think that sort of set the standard and maybe that became the reason that uh, we are a free country and maybe uh you know very very subtly and underneath you know the wars we've been in um, many many people have died for us to be a free country and for us to be what we are so maybe that was the uh maybe that was the birth of that uh that's that's all i could say is maybe it sort of gets underneath everybody because that's really what it means um i don't know that's that's my guess 
Well, you're, you're obviously a North Texas guy, but, uh, you know, um, you spent some time in the panhandle, uh, grew up there, you know, around Dallas. What, what are the, you know, when you can find yourself getting away from, from the North Texas uh, part of the state, where do you find yourself vacationing? Do you make it down to the coast? Are you a central Texas person? Do you go to uh, West Texas for the dust and the, uh, the you know, reliving the, the Friday Night Lights uh, experience? Uh, where, where do you head? Well, first of all, uh, one of my daughters is a nurse in Lubbock, uh, and it's not Lubbock, it's Lubbock. Um, and um, the other daughter, who has been a professional dancer and has been living in Austin, graduated from TCU a couple of years ago, is, uh, is now becoming a nurse as well. So they're both in Lubbock, and that's not where I go for exotic vacations, but I do travel through there uh, on my way to New Mexico because I love Rio Dosa, and I've always been there. It's a a quaint, wonderful little place. And we used to ski there all the time when there was a lot of snow and sometimes there still is. Uh, of course, I love New Mexico, Taos, Santa Fe. Santa Fe to me is one of the greatest places to be. It's just, there's a vibe there that I love, which uh, unfortunately is changing just a little bit as we are as flocks of people move in there, but it's still a, an enchanted, I, I, I think uh, New Mexico is the land of enchantment. So I love it there. Um, but, you know, to tell you the truth, I, I really don't really take planned vacations. And when I do, a lot of times they're to Austin down there to play uh, golf with all my buddies and do some charity golf down there because, you know, we, we made so many friends during FNL and, and I hooked into Ben Crenshaw and all his buddies. And so I get to play golf down there. And so that's kind of the place I go if I'm actually going. But really, my job is the, the thing that gives me exotic vacations. And, and places, you know, recently going uh, to Paris to do many episodes of a show that's now here in the United States called The Bureau. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, uh, a, a sweet first class journey uh, quite a few times back and forth to Paris isn't bad. And it's all paid for and it's like a vacation. Um, and then, you know, every time I have to go to California, it's uh, it's always a paid vacation. And now I'm, I'm getting paid to go back to Canada here uh, in two weeks to do a brand new show for HBO, a new HBO series. So those are my vac- really exotic vacations. As Wait, well. are, are you are you telling me that a first class flight to Paris is better than a drive down I-35 to Austin, Texas to see your daughter? <laughs> I, um, uh, hopefully, hopefully she's not uh, she's not listening to this and, and hearing that uh, you prefer to be wined and dined and uh, take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, you know, my, the audience that I have on Texas Humor, I don't think that there'd be very many people disagreeing with the idea that uh, a lot of people would rather be doing something other than driving down I-35 on any given day. So uh, that's true. I will give you one little word of advice. I have made. I counted them one time, and it in the you know during Friday Night Lights, I made nearly 100 round trips, and I always drove because it's much easier than going to the airport and going through that hassle. And from my home uh, in, in just north suburb here of, of Dallas to downtown Austin, uh, I've done it in two hours and 40 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. Um, and it's not me going fast, it's everyone else. And I'm just kind of following them, right? Uh, but if you do it between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the afternoon during the week, it's nothing. Yeah. And if you do it on weekends or certain other times, then you can come across that. But they've nearly finished it. I've made a couple of trips recently. So it's not as bad as it used to be. And, and there's a trick to it. It's the time you go. Or of course, you go in the middle of the night. It's cool. But 
Now it doesn't matter anyway, because everyone is driving a hundred miles an hour. It's insane. You know, yeah. I only do, I go 82 or 84 and I'm, you know, except for those times when I was doing that two hours in a two out a half hour deal, that was, that's probably pushing it. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember in, in, uh, at one point, I don't remember if this was statewide, but I remember in Houston, they were trying to lower the emissions and they changed the speed limit to 55 miles an hour on the freeway. And, and everybody was like, are you kidding me? 55 miles on 610 or I-45? I mean, it, of course, nobody followed the rules. <laughs> but, you know, so yesterday was uh, Father's Day and Instagram was just filled with people barbecuing, grilling, everybody just putting on their best new balances and jean shorts and, and rocking the dad, you know, dad cooking in the backyard. So like I come over to, to Brad's house for Father's Day or any given weekend or your kids are coming home to, uh, you know, spend time with you and your wife. What is on the Brad Leland grill or smoker on any given weekend? Okay, well, um, you know, for many, many years when the girls are growing up, I cooked, I've always been the cook in our family. My wife has probably cooked three meals in the 44 years we've been married. Um, and I, I enjoy it too. I, I, so if I'm gone I, out of town, you know, she, she orders food in or whatever. Um, so uh, I, when I grill, it's pretty much anything, you know, it's uh, the, always the great uh, New York or, or a ribeye. Um, and now it's fun to do those giant dinosaur things. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, but anything, I, you know, I'm pretty much every. I like all food, obviously. So it could be anything, you know, I could even throw fish on the grill or something, you know, quickly, as long as it stays uh, nice and juicy, fish is great. So it could be anything. Yesterday, unfortunately, um, Father's Day was taking my my uh, my wife, who's been ill, to the emergency room. So I spent mm. yesterday in the emergency room most of the day. And then after I got her back home and she was okay, I went out and had my favorite uh, food in the world, which is uh, sashimi. So I went to my favorite uh, sushi place and ate almost all of the fish he had. <laughs> is, that well, was, my, that is, was pretty is there, good. Is there a particular uh, sushi that, that you're, you're fond of? Um, well, I like pretty much everything, but it's, it's usually not sushi. It's usually just sashimi, just wonderful cuts, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I, I pretty much like them all. Um, of course, Toro is wonderful. And then, you know, some of the things that I eat at the end, other people don't eat. I mean, I love, I even love things like monk, monkfish liver and, um, <clears throat> you know, um, right now you can't even get it, um. Um, it's why is it jumping out of my head? It's um, um, never mind. I'll think of it. I'll think of it in ten seconds. I have a sixty-six-year-old brain. It's like a pinball machine. The ball rolls around for a little while. It finally falls in the hole, and I remember what it is. Well, I'll ask you this, and I mean, are there are there other sort of Texas cuisines, right? Like, because I grew up uh, southeast of Houston, but I have a lot of family from South Texas, so eating menudo after a long night of drinking is, is the way to do it for me. Are there any uh, of those sort of like Texas delicacies that most people don't eat that you like? Well, uh, I wouldn't say most people don't eat them and I wouldn't say it's a Texas delicacy, but it is for me because I'm almost a Louisiana boy at heart. You know, mm. I, we actually, uh, you know, I, I could, well, I, I won't, I won't go into full, full Cajun just quickly, but uh, what, what would what would happen with me is uh, mud bugs. Mm -hmm. 
I'm a mud bug guy. So crawfish, uh, we, we used to call them crawdaddies. Yeah. And uh, I'll sit down with you, buddy, and, and have about six or eight pounds of those if you'd like to. <laughs> uh, no need for the corn or the new potatoes or anything else they might throw in there, just mud bugs. And, you know, the other night, I, my buddy called me and he goes, go to this place and get some bugs. You wouldn't believe how big they are. And I went there and it truly blew me away, uh, Jay, because they were, um, they were literally, I got two pounds and it was only six bugs. That's how big they were. They were all lobsters, you know, like this big. I mean, I was even eating the claws. They were so huge. So I love, you know, I love them as long as they're not, you know, as long as you can still get into them and they're not old, old creatures that you can't break through. But um, I love to sit down with people. And I, I think it's a kind of a party and it's kind of fun to sit there for hours. People are like, ah, it's too much trouble. But there's something social about sitting around eating a bunch of crawfish. Well, it is kind of interesting to me. I've been I've been talking to folks about this because when I was growing up, I mean, you would have it over on the other side of Houston. There was no big deal. There were Cajun people everywhere. So there was plenty of crawfish around. But when I first moved to Austin about 20 years ago, and, and I, I told people I wanted to do a boil here, I mean, there was maybe one or two places you could buy it. Now you can roll up to HEB and they're selling it, you know, all through crawfish season, which is pretty cool seeing how that that culture, you know, sort of develops. But uh, right. Yeah. Well, they didn't have a place. There was one place when we were shooting Friday Night Lights, one place to get crawfish in Austin. And I couldn't understand it because we had so many places here in Dallas that we could get them. I said, why don't they have them in Austin? That's closer than we are. But yeah. they didn't. I guess the people there just, uh, I don't know. I don't know why that was, but it's not that way anymore. As you well know, you, you can get yeah. them. Yeah. And Jay mentioned this earlier, like the list of credits uh, for you is almost never ending. It's in, in TV and in, in film, even in, in theater. And I know you got a, a show coming up uh, in Richardson, but the intersection of Texas and, and, and Texas culture and entertainment, whether it's characters or movies or, or like filming location, uh, when you think of film and Texas, what, what stands out? Obviously for a lot of people and, and for you, I'm sure Friday Night Lights is a big part of that. In addition to Friday Night Lights, what else stands out? Well, you know, people sort of forget some of the great classics, you know, that were filmed here, you know, even back when filming first began. I mean, you go back even farther than Giant, you know, with the, with Rock Hudson and, and, you know, the beginning of Marfa before Marfa became the coolest place and the destination for everybody in the world to go to, you know, to Big Bend, which is impossible to drive to. You know, it takes you about three weeks to drive there from here. And, uh, you know, and then people are flying in there now from all over the world, especially a bunch of Hollywood types and very wealthy people. And so, you know, exploring that whole thing. And then, you know, our uh, our landscapes and our our uh, settings in Texas are, are vast and and complete. I mean, you can you can go to beaches, you can go to piney woods, uh, you can go to, to deserts in West Texas. Uh, you can go to the sand dunes where we used to, people believe, can't believe this, but you could, uh, you could actually sand surf in a town in Monahans where we would go and we, it'd be very hot, but we put on our tennis shoes and they had these sand surfboards and, and you would surf on, on hills of sand and nearly uh, melt your tennis shoes. And uh, hopefully you wouldn't fall down and be covered in sand about 110 degrees. But, but the locations is what I'm talking about. And, and the history of film here 
is so vast. People could look it up and see the films that have been made here, and they they probably would be surprised at at the great pictures we've had here. You know, Academy Award pictures, and and just uh, we have resources, and and unlike some of the other states, we have resources <clears throat> which are are small towns and giant cities. You know, we had so you know Dallas, you know, showing showing the giant city type situation, and and then you know Walker, uh, all of those things that have lasted here for a long, long time and, and given people a really good dose of what Texas is like. Well, that's, that, that's it. And, and Monahan's, I think I could be wrong, but I want to say the real life booby miles is either, I think lives in Monahan's Texas now, I believe. I remember from watching like the special features of the DVD years and years ago, back when people watched stuff on DVDs. I, I think you're right. You know, and it's not, too far from uh, old great um, as we call it and they get mad at me but my sister lived there forever so tough um, you know that's very close to uh, piddling and slow death <laughs> <laughs> well Brad we, we really appreciate it be sure to check out Brad he mentioned this earlier land uh, debuted at Suns, uh, Sundance in, in uh, this past February it's available on streaming platforms like Amazon Prime. Coming up, uh, Brad's going to co-star in The Last of Us uh, for HBO. You know, we mentioned shooting in Canada. And then uh, for those in the Metroplex, Middletown, uh, a funny new play, uh, explores the, the universe of small American towns. Uh, that's going to open in August. So here in, in less than two months in Richardson, uh, Brad will be playing the, the lead role. Brad, it's always great chatting with you. Thanks so much for being with us for the first episode of the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. Thank you, Jared and Jay. And uh, go Rangers, because I know, the right. new, I know the new rule changes to improve the game will, you know, speed the game up, give it more action. There's going to be there's going to be less strikeouts and more hits and people are going to go to some air conditioning and the uh, do it and a quick here's a quick more for ad advertising for everybody's favorite hamburger in this part of, everybody in this part of the world um it's whataburger so get you one and thanks guys appreciate it brad yeah. okay. the, the peaches and cream shake to go along with that that burger jay episode one of the books yeah Looking this was great man I, I love uh i love having brad on here and uh, getting to talk crawfish on a Monday morning is absolutely the way I'd like to spend my day. Hey, I love you, guys. Thanks for having me, buddy. There you go. Thanks, Brad. And remember, you can always watch the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger by going to the Rangers YouTube channel. You can listen, texasrangers.com slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. Well, for Jay Sauceda, uh, for Tim Johnson and Hannah Wing, I'm Jared Sandler. Again, special shout out to our guest and our pal, Brad Leland. Looking forward to more of the Straight Up Texas podcast, so be on the lookout. We'll talk to you soon. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Let's go, baby!